And it's good to have Brother Jonathan Tackett here tonight. He's, he's without his better half, but we'll take one half anyway. Uh, he actually, she's studying for the bar, so she told him to leave. <laughs> and uh, not really. But um, he had a couple days, and so I thank God that he was able to come down and see us. And we appreciate him and his walk with God and his life. And it's good to see all of you here. I uh, appreciate all the ones who worked yesterday and um, just uh, uh, the cleaning and the, the work around the church and um, just those who helped and uh, helped to get things ready. And uh, Brother Eddie was here and appreciate him and just everything, the Lord brought everything together. So we appreciate that. God bless you. Don't forget the bulletin. Now <clears throat> you will see a handout that... Um, that those in, in my class would have seen, except those in the class will see that there are added pieces. Uh, so um, if you see January 5th, that's because of Sunday, but uh, don't let it fool you. I added stuff to it, so, uh, which is what I'm going to go over. Went over uh, Sunday, and I think this is pertinent. We talked, in fact, I preached Sunday night about leaving a footprint, and I think it's important for us to consider our lives, to consider the impact of our lives and the opportunities that God gives us every single day to leave a footprint, to make an impact, to change the world around us. And uh, I say that every time God wakes me up and every time I get up each day, he's saying I'm giving you another opportunity to leave a footprint of influence. So um, the first part of this uh, just talks about, and I mentioned this Sunday, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but we hear a lot of voices around us. We, uh, we know, I talked about the different Sunday between hearing and listening. There are a lot of voices out there, and there's a lot of influence in our world. Um, unfortunately, we allow too many things to influence our spirit. Uh, there are a lot of things that we hear, but we don't have to listen to everything. And when it comes to things that edify your spirit, Paul talked about the things we should think on, uh, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things that are good report. When you hear things that reinforce those particular things, we ought to absorb them like a sponge. But when it comes to, when it comes to negative and critical and bitter and unforgiveness, and when it comes to the things that not only don't edify your spirit, but actually destroy your spirit, those are the things you don't want to listen to. You may hear them, but then you say, God, I'm not going to listen to that. And, and of course, uh, in Romans, Paul talked about uh, who are you, who's the master of you. Um, the voices that you listen to become your master. And so uh, Paul talked about, it's an admonition. I want my master to be the things that are pure and the things that are right and the things that are holy. And then we go down to Genesis 12 and 1, when the Lord said to Abram, I want you to get out of your country and from your kindred and from your father's house unto a land that I will show thee. An interesting thing about Abram is, is he had no contact or connection except to his environment and his history. And that wasn't living for the one true God or knowing the one true God. That was in Ur of the Chaldees. That was a, an idolatrous nation. And yet... God talks to Abram and tells him to get out of his country and his kindred, and he responds to that. 
So it's a lesson for all of us. And you may say, well, I don't have a history of knowing God. I don't have a history of living God. But when you come into the house of God like you have tonight, and you feel the presence of God, you have to know that that's stronger than anything you've ever felt before. You have to know that that's supernatural. And, you, and, and if you don't know, let me tell you, that's God reaching you. That's the presence of God reaching out to you. And so uh, it's important that we listen to the right voice. And when you feel the goodness of God in your spirit, or you feel mercy, you feel kindness, and you feel forgiveness. Those are attributes from God. They don't come from the world. There are other voices too, and if you look at the fourth paragraph here, or the third, it'll, it'll show you there are other voices. The serpent being the most subtle beast of the field, which the Lord God had made, said unto the woman, and, and asked her the question, said, you know, yet hath God told you you're going to die? Did he tell you that? And, and in this particular case, this is a voice that you may hear, but that you have to rebuke. When you hear certain things, and, and, and why am I starting here by talking about listening and hearing? Because the footprint that you make is a reflection of the voice you listen to. Where I walk and what I do is a reflection of who impacts me the most. And so it's very important, and I talk Sunday night, about our, our path and our journey has to be intentional. The devil wants to cause confusion and instability, but the Lord wants us to, to walk with intentionality and with purpose. And so you have to know that when you listen to the voice of God, He is not the author of confusion. I may not understand everything that's happening in my life, and I may not understand every circumstance, but when God's in control, you will feel at peace and you will feel that there is purpose. The serpent um, then approached the woman and questioned her. And, and then, of course, later on in those verses, if you go down to verse 10, and I talked about this Sunday night, when, when um, uh, the, the voice of the Lord God is walking in the cool of the day, and Adam hears the voice of God walking in the cool of the day, and he hides himself. God says, why are you hiding from me? And he said, well, I hid myself because I was naked. And God says the operative question, who told you that? In other words, now let me explain this. When it comes to sin, conviction is not designed to expose to shame. Conviction is designed to expose to heal. To expose to deliver to expose, to change. But when the devil, when, when, when in this particular case, I want to strip you of what you have and then give you shame to replace it. To show you the intent of God when Adam knows that he's naked, he kills animals and wraps them around and gives them skins to cover themselves. So the question that God says, well, who told you that? Well, what happens is that sin told you that, sin exposed, and sin brings shame. But the presence of God is designed to not just cover it up, but as we know now, to cleanse you of it and give you a new robe. And so when the Lord said, who told you that, this is so critical because God, it's not God's intent to try to shame you. And a lot of times when we walk in life and we're trying to leave a footprint, a lot of times we make excuses for why we can't, 
why we can't walk differently and why I can't get delivered and why I can't be clean and, and why I can't be an instrument of the Holy Ghost and why God can't touch me. And the question, if you look at God's Word that you need to ask yourself is what? <clears throat> Who told you that? Did God tell you that? When it comes to an infirmity or a sickness, well, I can't be healed or, or, or I can't be delivered or this is inoperable. I, I'll, never, I'll never change. I'll never be healed. Well, who told you that? Is that in God's Word? Show me where it's in His Word and let's, let's explore it. If the Lord says that I can't be delivered, the Lord says that your sin is, is um, uh, not pardonable. It's not going to be redeemed. There is no redemption for you. Does the Word say that? But a lot of times what we do is, and I'll give you some examples, we miss out on the goodness and the blessings of God because, because instead of getting into the presence of God, which can affect change, what we end up doing is allowing the enemy to expose our weaknesses, and then that becomes the thing that guides my thinking. I, I, I can't make it. I, I can't do this, I can't be healed, I can't be delivered, so on and so forth. You get the point. And so you got to be careful about making sure that when you get into a place where you feel overwhelmed, I'm afraid. Who told you that you needed to be afraid? God hath not given us a spirit of fear. Rebuke the devil and he'll flee from you. I'm being attacked by the devil. We have to make a choice. Are we going to acknowledge our feelings? That's good to do. But are we going to ask the power of God to overshadow us and change something? i got to decide what footprint I'm going to leave. Please understand that when I come into the house of God, I bring my problems to leave them there. I don't bring impossibilities into the house of God to walk back with them. That's why we pray. And I said Sunday night, when you leave a footprint of prayer, you're going to possess an answer. When you leave a footprint of faith, you're going to possess a miracle. But when you leave a footprint of doubt and fear, what are you going to possess? None of the above mentioned that I just mentioned. Now, look at the next, look at the next part. Because all of this has to do with what kind of footprint. We have to know who we are. We're not just aimless nomads wandering in the desert. God told Abraham, wherever you put your feet... I'm going to bless it. Wherever you put the soles of your feet. And it was reiterated. There were several iterations of this. Not just to Abraham. Not to Abram. But to Isaac. To Jacob. To Israel. Sometimes we say, well, I don't know if I can leave a kingdom footprint. God, I don't know if I can change anything around me. I'm struggling too much myself. I understand that. But a lot of times when we say that, we're not acknowledging the power of God, the power of the cross, the power of the blood, the power of God to change and affect change. You know, can I, can I leave a footprint? This is what Moses said to the Lord. And I mentioned this, Moses said to the Lord, I'm not eloquent. And I said this Sunday, God, God never even used the word eloquent to Moses. So he would have had to have that in his own lexicon. God didn't say, uh, uh, you have to be eloquent. Where did he even get that word? Moses already knew that word. Here's the guy saying that he has trouble articulating words, but he knows them. In other words, who told you that? 
Who told you you couldn't be my mouthpiece? Who told you you couldn't get through the desert to the burning bush? Who told you I left you when you left Egypt? Who told you that? Moses says, he says, uh, <clears throat> he said in the Lord, Oh my Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech. Who told you that? Does God say that? And a slow tongue. Sometimes it's better to have a slow tongue. Some people say too much in too short a time, and half of it wasn't worth much. And the Lord said unto them, now, th this is what God says to him, and this is what you have to understand. This, this idea of who, who are you? God's talking to you. You wouldn't be here tonight if God wasn't talking to you. You wouldn't be here tonight if God didn't have purpose for you. You wouldn't be here tonight if the Lord doesn't have a path for you. Because the seed is being broadcast for you. And so God answers Moses when he begins to come up with a litany of reasons why this can't be true that God is actually selecting him for anything. God says, who made your mouth? Well, how do you answer that? I mean, if God came down and spoke to you and said something like that, I don't know if I'd kind of be afraid to answer. If I hesitate, that ain't good. If I answered, it's like I didn't know. Who made man's mouth, or who maketh the dumb or the deaf, or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? I made you the way you are. Why do you question the creator? Why would you question the vessel that I have created? Moses, maybe you are of a slow tongue, but I can use anybody. I can touch anybody. God doesn't care what your inadequacies are. He's the one that makes a difference and makes up for what you're not. I can't, I can't. There's a lot you can't do. But it's not about you when it comes to the hand of God. It's about how responsive and receptive are we to God's presence. And I want to tell you something. The Lord will make no provision for the man or the woman, the young person, who will make excuses when the presence of God is there to effect the change immediately. There's no point in me arguing with God about what I'm not when the Lord's standing there saying, but look what I can do. How do you argue with God on that? I don't know how you do that. You, you don't do that. And so Gideon, too consumed with self to do anything about his complaint. You know, we acknowledge these folks as they're incredible. Well, he was incredible. We're talking about an identity crisis. Now, I'm going to take a break, and I'm going to give you some quotes before I hit Gideon. These are people who are caught in, in maybe what I would call an identity crisis. Now, I want to read you a few quotes. Our identity is not in our joy. Now, listen to this. Our identity is not in our joy, and our identity is not in our suffering. Our identity is in Christ, whether we have joy or suffering. 
Let me give you another one. Your circumstances may change, but who you truly are remains forever the same. Your identity should eternally, is eternally secure in Christ. And it should be. Not the circumstances. Our circumstances don't dictate our identity. Who do you belong to? Who is your master? Whose voice do you listen to? Whose guidance do you follow? Here's another one. Worth in human beings is fleeting. Worth found in Christ lasts forever. Now let me switch over to Gideon. Gideon was too consumed with himself really to do anything about the problem or the complaint. The Midianites were the problem. <clears throat> the children of Israel couldn't even farm their land. The Midianites were a huge nation. They were they were ravaging the crops of the children of Israel. They were tearing up the land. And they, the, the, in this case, Gideon um, was um, threshing wheat uh, in secret because the Midianites would have taken it, and he's concerned about that. Um, Israel is down. Uh, and so this is what Gideon says. A, an angel shows up and said, Oh, thou mighty man of valor, God's going to use you to do great things. Gideon says, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord be with us, God, if you really cared. Have you ever said that? I know you have. I have. God, if you really cared. He said, If the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? God, if you're with me, why am I going through this? If you really care for me, why do I have to go through this? And where be, he even gets more serious. You're talking about leveling a complaint. And Gideon says, and where be all the miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And then he says, oh my Lord, how are you going to save us? Wherewith shall I save everything? How am I going to do it? Behold, my family's poor in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. And the question that I mentioned was what? Who told you that? Now, I want to read you something about cisterns. A broken cistern can only hold so much water. It's pretty much useless because it's a, it's a broken cistern is a vessel that may have the appearance of of, of being whole or full, but it's got cracks in the vessel that you can't see. So it really can't hold water. And so this is, the, this is the question that I would ask you when it comes to identity. How many broken cisterns do we have in our life? Now, I want to I unequivocally say it is not God's intent nor His will for us to remain the same but to always grow in grace, quote, grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's never God's will for us to stay the same. He wants us to be blessed and blessed upon top of blessed and blessed upon top of that. It is not God's will that we stay the same. But I wonder how many broken cisterns, things that hold no water in your life, Things that may give you momentary happiness that leave you dry in the end. 
Whenever you have a broken cistern, the water doesn't last. In the same way, whenever your happiness is coming from something that is temporary, your happiness will be temporary. As soon as the thing is gone, the joy goes. Some people find their identity, by the way, in money. But what happens when the money's gone? A lot of people, many people, find their identity in relationships. But what happens when that's over? The identity is, the relationship is who I am. Well, what happens when that's over? What happens if your identity's in your work and you lose your job? The source of the identity that is not eternal will eventually lead to an identity crisis. Anything, in other words, that is earthly and that is temporal and that is fleeting to which you attach your identity is not eternal and will not be lasting. So if you're connecting yourself, your self-identity, to something in this life, then it will be temporary because things in this life, that's like worshiping God when circumstances are great. That's my spiritual identity. I want to worship God. But when circumstances are awful, then my spiritual identity says, I don't want to worship. But as long as my identity is in God, it doesn't matter what's happening around me. I don't care whether or not it's all gone south. I still have an identity in the Lord. God is my refuge. In Him will I trust. Praise God. This is what Jeremiah 2.13 said, bottom of the page. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me in the... They have forsaken me... Who would the me be? Keep reading. The fountain of living waters. And hewed them out cisterns. Broken cisterns that can hold no water. When you attach yourself and identify yourself with the things around you, you will be sorrowful when something happens to them. But I have never found a time in serving God when I didn't have joy when I thought about the Lord. My sorrow was always about my problems, Brother Tackett, but I never had sorrow when I thought about the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me. The world may be going down. Circumstances may be awful in your life. Nobody may be going through what you're going through, but there's hope because there's a God who knows all and is through all, and thank God he's in us all. Praise God. First John 2.17 said, The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of the Lord lives forever. Think about some of the scriptures. One of them that I thought about is about the Lord lavishing his love upon us. Here's Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is in your midst. That's my identity. That's why I can leave a footprint. That's why I can leave a footprint. An indelible mark. 
of praise and of thanksgiving because I know Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is in your midst. A mighty one who will save. King James mighty to save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. Man, if we could just get that one part and leave here. If you can think about God rejoicing over you with gladness. I may not be all I need to be and you aren't either. And you may not have done all that you need to do. But God's given you right now in the present to change your direction. And if you knew and accepted that the Lord rejoices over you with joy. That he died on Calvary for you. You wouldn't leave here or need to leave with sorrow in your heart. But you could rejoice thanking God that there's a supernatural power that died for you and loves you. Nobody else in the White House, in Congress, may know my name, but there's one who I really care about, and he knows the numbers of hairs on my head. Don't you ever get down. Don't you ever get discouraged. And don't you ever feel like your identity is connected somehow with things around you. That's called a broken cistern. God, this isn't going right, and this isn't going right, and this isn't going. But that's not you. You're connected to the Most High. Those are broken cisterns anyway. The things of this earth are going to pass away. None of us can take them with us. And so when the circumstances go awry, and we learn a lot of lessons through our circumstances, and that's fine. But you know what? My identity is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God very quickly. Taking a step towards God is like leaving a marker for others in the darkness to follow. God recorded every footprint in the desert from Egypt to Canaan. The children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth. About 600,000 on foot were the men besides the children. You know what? There are a lot of times in my life that I have felt like that the footprints that I'm leaving go into a circle. Have you ever felt that way? You feel like you're going in, in a circle. You say, I've seen that before. I've felt that before. I've seen that footprint before. God, would, why would you put me doing this kind of thing? I, I got an answer for you. The Lord gave it to me. It's because you have a stronghold that needs to come down. The reason why you walk in a circle... Well, it could be because you, you, you don't have your map. But we're talking about people who actually are trying to be guided by the Lord. A lot of times the Lord takes us in a, a, a circular pathway and we keep going through the same things over and over again. You know why? Because the Lord's trying to get us to conquer a stronghold. And it takes a lot of faith, folks, to come to church Wednesday after Wednesday and Sunday after Sunday and getting prayed for every single day. It takes a lot of faith to just keep saying, Lord, I'm going to worship you and I'm going to praise you. I don't know why this stuff is happening to me, but God, you're good and I'm thankful. And Lord, I know I've got a lot of progress I need to make, but I'm so thankful, Lord, that you gave me health to come to church and that you've been good to me. And God, I've paid a few bills and everything may not be just great, but God, God, you're good. Lord, I identify with you. The children of Israel did that to Jericho. And on the seventh day, 
You may not like going around in a circle, but if you want to be a possessor of things you don't yet have, you got to get used to trusting God, regardless of what it looks like to you. I don't care if it seems redundant or monotonous. You keep coming to church and praising God and letting the tears flow and shout and dance and praise God. It's not a waste of your time, honey, and it's not ridiculousness, and it's not something that's beyond you. The Lord's getting ready to shake the heavens. We're all leaving footprints around here. And we're going to keep coming into the house of the Lord with a praise on our lips. And one of these times, the earth is going to quake and the heavens going to respond. And the outpouring of the Holy Ghost we're going to see. Because there might be a few faithful who are still walking around Jericho. They're still walking around their strongholds. Now, you may have some personal strongholds. And likely we all do. But you still have to keep walking around them. You should be leaving a footprint of praise and worship and thanksgiving around every single problem. Instead, a lot of times what we let, we let the problem dictate our narrative. The problem dictates my narrative. Right? Let's use work. I hate work. Right? I hate this job. I had a cousin who one time, he's the funnest person I ever worked around, but he'd have some employees and he would mock them when they would come in with a, say, you know, he just hates working around people. You know, I hate this job. You know, I just hate coming to work. Well, don't come. I'll do it myself. Well, I just don't like doing this. You may not like doing it, and you may not like the circumstance you're in, but you shouldn't be identifying with problems. You should be identifying with the problem solver. Everybody's got problems, but everybody doesn't know the problem solver. Praise God. All right. All the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys, according to the commandment of the Lord. And they pitched in Rephidim. For every single problem they had, God had a solution. We got no water to drink here. Let me get it out of a rock. You're going to have problems. Go ahead and make a footprint. You know what the Lord doesn't want us to do in this hour? Stand in one place. Standing in place is not acceptable to God. The only time it's acceptable is when he literally tells you stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Otherwise, you need to be leaving a footprint. Uh, what does that mean? Do something. Well, I just don't know what to do. You know, a lot of times we do that when people come down and get prayed and we say, raise your hands. Well, the reason we're doing that is because it doesn't do any good for me to come down and have everybody else pray my prayer. I'm the one who wants God. Y'all can pray, but this is between me and God. Of course, we mean well. We want to help folks. But the truth of the matter is, this is between me and the Lord. 
It doesn't do any good when I'm not making any footprints with my voice or with my passion or with my heart. God, I need help. I love you, Lord. God, help me. That's making a footprint. All right. So um, along the journey, each footprint represented something. They were not aimless wanderers. He said, thy raiment wax not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these 40 years. Next verse, Deuteronomy 29, I've led you these 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes are not waxing old upon you, and thy shoe is not waxing old upon thy foot. I love that verse. I say, keep my same clothes. Why not? It worked for them. If the Lord provides... What Jesus say? If I provide for the lilies, if I the lilies of the field, they don't have to they don't have to struggle. The birds don't struggle. I provide everything. You shouldn't be worried about tomorrow. You should just rejoice in today and make a footprint of thanksgiving for what God has provided today. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Now let me explain that. I believe in planning in the future. But you shouldn't live in the present to plan for the future, nor live in the present to regret the past. Because you can't live in the past or the future. You're just living now. If you spend all your time planning for the future and the present, then you just wasted the present. Right? Okay. Order my steps in thy word. In your word. That's what we're doing here tonight. God, order my steps. Put them right smack dab in your word. And let not iniquity have dominion over me. God, I don't want sin to have dominion. I don't want iniquity or wrongdoing. God, let righteousness guide me. And he says, deliver me from the oppression of man, the psalmist does, so I will keep thy precepts. Make thy face to shine upon thy servant. Teach me thy statutes. Rivers of water run down my eyes because they keep not thy law. Righteous art thou, O Lord, and upright in thy judgments. He says again in Psalm 17, hold up my goings in thy paths, that my footsteps, what? They're in the word, they'll be solid. They'll make an indelible imprint. Again, Psalms 32, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. God does this, folks. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in a bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Let's stand together. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. I have sworn and I will perform it, that I will keep thy righteous judgments. I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy word. Except I beseech thee the freewill offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me thy judgments. My soul is continually in my hand, yet do, not, yet do I not forget thy law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I erred not from thy precepts. My testimonies have I taken as a heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. I have inclined my heart to perform thy statutes always, even unto the end. To make a footprint in this world, your identity cannot be co connected. It cannot be connected to your circumstances. Our problems and our circumstances cannot define us. 
It has to be God. The Lord defines me. The joy that I have is not the joy of this world. Because see, the joy of the Lord is not connected with whether you got money or don't have money. The joy of the Lord is like living water springing up inside of your soul. When Jesus said in John 7, He that believeth on me as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. He wasn't talking about he that hath enough money to pay this month's bills. Out of his belly shall flow rivers. Honey, he's talking about he that believeth on me whose identity is with me. That's what gives me joy. Let's give the Lord thanks. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. God, give us footsteps that are in your word. Establish this. God, our identity is not connected with our problems, with our circumstances. God, we all have situations, challenges. Every one of us do. But God, our identity is in you. Our identity is in you. In all that you provide us, the kindness you've shown us, the cross of Calvary, the blood that was shed. Your word, every word that we hear out of the scripture, Lord, is nothing but what you can do in the midst of impossibilities, not what we cannot. I'm asking you, Lord, to shine on this congregation tonight. I'm asking you to shine on us with the glory of your presence. Let us be immediately, God, transitioned and translated from our problems and a problem mindset. God to a child of God enrobed in righteousness and praise hand in hand with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords God build us on our most holy faith praise God